Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. All right, I hope you're ready. Strap yourself in, because this one is nuts. It's a no-brainer, of course. We had to do this one. It is the great Alana Miles. Now, as everyone remembers, she reached number one in 1989 with Black Velvet, this one right here. Uh, it was her one and only hit in the States. Uh, she kind of disappeared after that. She had some more success in Canada, in her native Canada, but not not as much as you would think. And sh you'll find out in this conversation, I don't know how else to say this, she has had a very rough road. And you kind of, ugh, I don't even quite know what to say. You're gonna have to hear this and decide for yourself and to believe for yourself because it is almost uncomfortably brutally honest. You know, what's really interesting to me is that this conversation was recorded a couple of months ago. And since then, all of this disgusting garbage about Harvey Weinstein has finally come out. And suddenly, as if it shouldn't already have been there, the spotlight is being shown on the abuses of powerful men, especially in the entertainment industry. We all know this stuff happens. But it doesn't get talked about it very. It doesn't get talked about very much. Now she won't give details, and I understand that. Um, there's some things that she cannot say. But you're smart enough to piece together that it couldn't. Whatever happened can't be too far removed from maybe some of the things that are in the news right now in relation to Harvey Weinstein. I could be way off. I'm projecting completely, but that's where my mind goes. And so, hearing her talk this way with this topic being as hot as it is right now is uh it's unnerving and so you're just gonna have to hear this one for yourself i don't quite even know what to say but she's got quite a story and um you'll have to decide how you feel afterwards uh she called me from her home in toronto I'm very flippant. I'll fly off the handle and say anything. Oh, I love that. That's the best. So, you Good. know, um, and I have to live with regret. Yeah. Uh, my, I don't know if I've ever learned the lesson. You don't get a chance. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm. I don't now know why, if I ever learned that. Why, now, what? why do you say that? I'm curious. Oh, because of my sharp-edged tongue. I've got a quick tongue. And really? I'll say and then regret that I said them afterwards. Actually, to be quite honest with you, I'm an honest person, and I don't often say anything that's mean. So if I said it, then I live with it because I said it. I meant yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Maybe yeah. I, sh I thought afterwards I could have saved not saying that, or maybe I could, I could save the conversations about money. I hate, yeah. you know, conversations about how finances and a person is doing that. I spent a lot of years in begrudgment because I did I wasn't paid and I, I regret spending so much time talking about the begrudgment. But it's okay. part of my story and yeah. you know, it it it's 
something that people are quite, find quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Especially well, the Germans. Especially the Germans? Is that what you sure. said? Why? Yeah. <laughs> but because they never, they would laugh at me. Because they would just not understand how someone as ridiculously successful as I, as I uh-huh. am could be broke. They just uh-huh. don't, they can't comprehend how an artist who sells 10 million records right out of the box can not have a, a, two sticks to rub together. They don't get it. Well, because all their artists are so protected. Yeah, right. Well, in Europe as it is in North America. Not at all. Well, maybe, Very different to this. Yeah. Can you? They're can rich you, there. Artists can you elaborate money there. on they're that? Pro- they're protected, huh? Can you elborate on that a little bit? I mean, that's one well, thing we talk about um, in here is whether mostly people can business, live off. And here head. we are talking about things. At least I'm not writing. I'm just basically informing. No, of course. That's why we ask. Well, Americans are American record companies tend to be because it's such a large territory and it's so huge. Everybody wants to break it because uh, the dividends are great. You know, it means the rest of the world kind of thing, and the, and Grammys mean so much to so many. And, you know, also million sales and billboard number one, blah, 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 and all of that. And and so what happens is America basically crawled up its own butt about mm. 15 years ago when the industry started to slide, and they couldn't, there was no turning back. They'd mistreated their artists. They'd not paid them properly. Some of them got paid not at all. Even my friend Corey Hart does, yeah. didn't make a dime off all those records. Not a freaking dime. No I mean, I, I won't say he made money off publishing and he wrote the songs, uh-huh. but he didn't make any sales money. No way. I've always wondered the, that about him. Because he, he was 18 years old when he signed the deal. And, and although he had a lawyer sign the deal, it was in an experienced lawyer. And there was, and there's a statute of limitations that lasts only two years. And yeah. if you've not gone back in to renegotiate your deal after between the two years. Now, what artist do you know is is got enough time contemplate the aspects of a phenomenon clause in their contract two years into their hit? It usually dawns on them five, three to five years afterwards that they're not getting paid their fair stake. Right. And they go, wait a minute, and it's too late. You have to speak up within two years of the, of the signing of the contract, or mm-hmm. you get nothing. You go back into the land of uh, of legal. <laughs> and something like this is what happened to you, I assume. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. Okay. And and and, and every other artist, but um, yeah. that you know has a, a complaint about the way the, the shabby way that was which I I don't know if it's shabby, just it's unconscionable actually. For someone to put eighty million, sixty to eighty million dollars worth of funds into their coffers, and even after twenty million dollars might have cost you to really put it out there, get it out there, the money you know that that artist is still paying back seven million dollars of the expenses it costs to make the record, twenty with it like eighteen years later. How can that be? Well, that, you that's had a number the story, one and there's not much I can do about. I can't really change really? it. Oh. Well, wow. you know. It, it, it placed me. I'm, I, I don't ever want to sign a deal again with a major. Why would I? I spent the last 15 years trying to get out of them. Never made a, a penny, not a dime. I've always been absconded from my record company, so forget it. I just make, them my, make my own records. The last record I made myself, I'll probably never see the money back before I die. But I don't really care because I'm still alive. I've still got more records. I see how quickly the, your, your fate can twist and turn on a dime. You know, it, it really, yeah. if you made something that is going to 
is majestic or magical or makes people smile, they will find it. And that's my belief. Yeah. If you love something and give it nothing but love and it's really good quality and all the choices and all the, all the, all the, the music that you put into it, if it's filled with love and it's filled with really good quality, usually more done by more heads than one, because I think the triad is what made me successful, the success of three people with great ideas combining their resources to create one great idea. Mm-hmm. There's something quite magical about the triad. Or yeah. two people, and, and, and you know, as Led Zeppelin was really four people, but there's been many. You know, Rush was a triad. Yeah. ACDC was a triad, you know? Right. And right. and let's say the Beatles was one and George Martin was the other. Yeah. You yeah. know? Well, you need those there's champions. Many, there's many reasons for why, but it, it's a key. Yeah. And in yeah. Europe, they just have a better setup with the way the artists work. It's not... There's not so many territories spread out all over in so many American states with so much openness for, uh, what do you call it? I won't say there's no corruption, but the artists have business people that do their bidding and make sure that their artists are paid and so the artists are rich. Yeah. You know, they're, they're rich based on the, the value of what they deserve. Mm-hmm. And my story was very sad. Corey's story was very sad. There's been many others. Very, very sad. Even now, people like Daniel Lanois, who I chatted with once one day, many, many years ago, was really upset about the way he's been treated financially. Really? And yet, he's rich and successful. But he should be richer because of the way he was treated. Prince. He's not now, here to live to tell it, but he would yeah. never deal with a label after the way he got dealt with by Warner. Um, it's just the American way, unfortunately. Now... So okay, so that last thing you just said, I before that I was going to ask, does it have anything to do with being Canadian? Which sounds like a really strange thing well, to ask. You know but I'm what? wondering if there's some difference in the Canadian music business that's screwing so you harder than you, the US business would. I assure you that there are Americans that I'm in good company uh, with Ray yeah. Charles and Aretha Franklin. Of course. Having been treated the same way. Mm-hmm. It's just that they went on to become those great people, and, uh, and in any court of law, it's arguable that they needed, Atlantic needed to pay them what they were worth. So they settled. And they didn't just settle. They, they, they went back and renegotiated. Okay. Outside of the, you know, because of the very early, early, early days. But, you know, in my case, when some people in America consider me to be only a one-hit wonder, there's not much of a, a, a leg to stand on, and there's no fighting it. I had a production deal. It was eight albums long, and there was 20 different clauses that prevented me from getting out of that deal. I met everyone and got out of the deal. But I couldn't have done it without the help of Miles Copeland, who ripped me from the from Atlantic. But yeah. he could not inch the contract, which was already stated, right? And subsequently, there's been a class action suit with many artists going back into their coffers and saying, hey, wait a minute, these these are all deals negotiated before 1990 uh, when before there was digital airplay involved so they got to go back and uh, myself included and renegotiate their contracts during this I think Gordon Lightfoot started it in Canada because mm-hmm. he was on an American label on the Warner label at one point and they wasn't paid the records he's owed and the royalties he's owed and I think he and a few other artists did a class action suit and I got on board mm-hmm. and saw a little bit of money and then now I see a substantial increase in the points percentage based on what's there. Good. 
or at okay. least whether it's not fair, whether it's fair or not. Although I think it's all highway robbery, I, I, it's it's a whole lot better than the crap they they dealt me, you know, uh, yeah. for the last since I started making royalty checks for the last nine years, ten years ago. So I'm guessing. I mean, obviously, based on what you're saying, you could not have lived off just black velvet success for years and years. It sounds like you were still grinding away. Well, I lived off black velvet success, but when you're out touring to make money, you're spending money you're not making. Mm, true. And if you're not making money back on records, where are you making it? Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I think in the case of Black Velvet, that's something that's going to live with me because it's got legs and it lives okay. and I will be, I'll be, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I'll be all right. I won't be a multimillionaire from one song, but I'll be okay. Uh, unless, of course, something breaks and it's a hit mm-hmm. in some big-ass movie and suddenly mm-hmm. uh, it's the song Young Folks Are All Singing. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you know, all, it, 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 the royalties wind up back over to me. Yeah. There's always that that can happen in any artist's career. But in answer to your question, I think was it having to do with Canadian or American? I don't think it was exclusive. No, I think the fact that partially yes, because uh, an American artist in my situation is just as naive, but they have an American lawyer. I had a Canadian lawyer. Mm-hmm. So oh, they weren't as adept as an American lawyer would know that that statute of limitations was going to come up. Yeah. So that's where okay. in my, lay my, my difficulty, you see, is okay. being in Canada and not having the American means. When in Rome, you know, yeah. if you're going to yeah. work with a Jewish record company, hire, hire a Jewish lawyer. <laughs> that makes sense. You know? I mean, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. when we worked with Atlantic, we didn't hire a Jewish lawyer. They were, they were Armenian. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it really didn't matter. Ahmed Erdogan, yeah. Ahmed Erdogan. Interesting. However, it wasn't a question of, um, we worked with uh, the best person we could find, and that happened to be Stephen Stone, who was Christopher's lawyer. And then I, due to a conflict of interest, because he was Christopher's lawyer, I couldn't use him. Oh. Yeah. Weird. He wouldn't have let that happen, I can assure you. Why couldn't but, he have I was working with a Canadian lawyer from his firm. They were adept at the Canadian, at the American laws. Oh. So. As a, as, a, as you know, in order to answer your question fairly, you know, there was a, a certain amount of it being Canadian having to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Naivety was a great deal more to do with it. Got it. I was busy. See, Two years after I made that first record, I was busy making Rocking Horse. Is to those, those. 
And I was stressed to, to the nines. There was no way I was calling after money. I just thought it kept on coming. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it didn't come until the third record when I had to borrow 500 bucks to put gas in my tank to go to the studio to Meadowworks and record my record. That's insane. Why huh? should a number one artist who's on her I don't know. Album? I mean, this is what I, I don't do interviews for because I don't want to write. Oh. See, I got, the, I, got, I got the fame. I didn't get the money. Yeah. But I got the I mean, fame. You, it was ridiculous. Well, you and now... I very, very, now, it all really kind of works out, doesn't it? Because I'm very happy with what I created. I'm even more happy with the body of work. It's not, not just one song. People can call me a one-hit wonder all they like. They're fools. They don't know any better. And it's six and stones, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't really care because I'm, I'm, I'm assured in the choices that I made 27 years later People are still listening and going, wow. Yeah. And I look back. I got eyes. I see what I did. It's great. I'm very proud. Nice. <laughs> Good answer. Because you've had like 10 or so top 40 hits in Canada. And, no, and I've had only about maybe, nah, really? I don't know, maybe what, oh. you know, uh, five, six in, oh, in Canada. what I was looking at. Yeah, well, Black Double was never number one. Yeah, that's Black true. That's never went to number one. up there. No, Black Velvet never went to number one. Weird. Now that he's still got this thing. Neither did uh, Love Is. Neither did um, uh, Black Velvet. The only one that went to number one was Lover of Mine from the no. first record.
lucky one How can you say that When it breaks my heart To see another woman with you Well, I was going to say, according to Wikipedia here, which is not the end-all, beat-all, but it says Song Instead of a Kiss went to number one. Yes, it did. I okay. didn't let me, he didn't let me oh, finish. Sorry. I'm talking about the first sorry. record. Okay, I'll be quiet. Okay. Yeah, I meant on the first record, oh, nothing got, went to number one, and then the, my first number one was Lover of Mine, which was a ballad, and the second number one was Song Instead of a Kiss. But then all, all that happened there was Madonna ripped the video for her rain video. And she saw it. And people went, Alana who? What can you do? Yeah, yeah, okay. You know? And okay. I'm not the only one Madonna's uh, stolen an idea or two from. So I'm sure there's many, many artists out there. I know Cindy Loper was one of them. Many other, other artists where she's just been so influenced by them that she goes and copies them and does it really, really well. Like, way better than they did it. Mm. So... Kudos to her for, for doing it better. Yeah, I guess. That's but disheartening. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, um, they say flattery is the highest form of, uh, of, of or what is it, you know, uh, yeah. uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Right. It never feels that way, but I can assure you, Robert Plant didn't like it. Nobody does. They want their, they, they don't want to be copied. Yeah, yeah. Not copied. Yeah. Influence, no, I know. maybe. Sure. Sure. You know, when I play, when I wrote Song Instead of a Kiss, I, I went to Joni Mitchell when I met her in a, in a pub one day in, in, a, in a lunch place in, in, uh, in uh, Monte, uh, where was it, Santa Monica, California. She lived near the neighborhood. And here I was my idol. 
And my engineer was like a gape and wouldn't close his mouth. They said, look, you close your mouth or I'm not going to eat with you. He said, okay, I'll close my mouth if you just go over to her, go over to her, go over to her. I said, all right. So I went over to her and I interrupted her in the middle of her soup. So she's got the soup, slurping the soup spoon halfway in her mouth. Like, and I'm like, hi, we're trying to And I gushed. And I said, you're my idol, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I just want you to know, I dedicated the song to you on my record because I stole it from you. I stole it from your blue. You know the, the song blue? Blue. Mm-hmm. Sure. La, 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 la. And she yeah. would go, blue. In the song? Uh-huh. Well, that's where I stole. Um, oh. Instead of a moon. That's where that came from. Okay. Because I was sense. so influenced by that that sad, sad song, I wanted to put that sadness into the song that I was writing with my collaborators. And to me, that's the saddest song. I just weep. Whenever I hear it, I weep. This makes me cry. <laughs> it's just so sad. It's very, yeah. very sad. It's about a love, a, a great, great love that could never be. And it just is what it is. Yeah. That's a good maybe one. that's what Story to Heaven is about. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Let me ask you again about Canadian success for a minute, because I'm sure. in kind of researching you. I've been thinking, it's almost yeah. You know, we share this entire border. We're only we're only a few are miles we, are apart. We, am I speaking with America? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. I see. I'm in the I'm in the colonies. You see. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were in Toronto. Yeah, I am. I'm just oh. the colonies to you. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Good point. Good point. You know, we're so close, and yet I think it's, it might be easier for a U.K. artist to break America than it is for a Canadian artist, other than maybe like a lover boy or something, to have a oh. long-term career here. And that doesn't make any sense to me. I had. I, I know, know it's, you, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the band Toronto and their lead yeah, singer of course I am. Hollywood. Okay. So I had uh, Hollywoods on here. Well, I remember uh, the, the ladies from... Uh, um, Let's see, the um, girl from Heart, uh, the girl yeah. from Toronto, uh, um, I can't remember her name for the moment, lovely girl, guitar player, she wrote the song, uh, is it, um, what about love, is it all what about love for Heart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was the band, yes. in the band in Toronto with um, Holly, that great, great singer with yeah. those awful people that did terrible things with their record deal in Canada. There's no way they could have succeeded because of the, the people they were trapped into contacts with. So see, okay, so what you're saying is confirm it, because she was too nice to be quite that direct with me, but we talked a little bit about that, because Sharon, I believe was her name, was a member of Toronto and wrote that song, uh, they recorded it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Hart heard it, and they and they made a huge, a huge you know, hit. Huge, yes. But only Sharon from Toronto gets writing credit on that, even though you know, everyone in the band is contributing and everyone is sort of writing their part. Yeah, but I think Sharon like wrote it. Yeah, I'm sure she did. So we had No, I, I know Sharon and I know she wrote it. Yeah. So we had a conversation. So whatever they about, say, I'd like to say I wrote Black Velvet too. That's really up to the listener. Mm-hmm. Because you can't write, if you please. You can't write that. Mm-hmm. It's a vocal affectation or a blues lick, you know? Right. The melody wasn't written for me, but I wrote it, but right. I didn't get writing credit. True, true. I should have. Uh, it really, it really, really probably should have been. Uh, you know, he really, he really probably should have attributed me with a little bit of something. 
but he didn't, yeah. and that's life. Okay. Are you two still close with those two, David Tyson and Chris Yes, Ford? I love them both very much. Okay. They really, I feel very fond, and I'm, I'm over any kind of misgivings I may have had for the money they made and I did not because it was a songwriting thing. They were the songwriters. They made the yeah. money. Yeah. I got shafted. They have two houses. I have none. I rent. Oh, that's crazy. Crazy. Um, well, so the, well, so let me finish my first thought. The whole point of me bringing up Toronto is that they were never quite able to break the states. They have, you know, they play casinos and everything up in Canada, but it, it, do, it never transpired over into the states, and yet we're only a few miles away from each other. All right. Well, Why I can, do you that's think a, that that's is? a simple answer. Oh, what? I had an American deal worldwide. I had uh, the, um, the support of Doug Morris, Ahmed Erdogan, and Tunj Aram, his, side, his right-hand man from the A&R department. I was their baby. Mm. Uh, they spent a lot of money when they saw the response Black Velvet had in college towns, and they whacked their money down on it, and that's why I was successful. The only reason why. Okay, okay. Money, investment. It, 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 anybody could be successful. You just have to put the money down. Well, right. let me rephrase that. Anybody with a decent song True. can be successful. But you have to have the money. It costs no less than 8 or nine, $10 million to break an artist. Goodness. So let, okay, so, so let me ask you then about really money. the money. It doesn't happen by accident. Sure. At least then, now, Lady Gaga didn't spend $10,000. She did a few videos, and she was very, 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 very talented. Like, I think I worship her. I think she rocks. Oh, she's great. But let she's me amazing. ask, so, so here's one thing that comes up again on this podcast a lot. So you've just had a number one song. The investment that they've made is paying off. Why does it come to an end? Why does the next Oh, I can't tell you that. I've got to save that for the book. No, I can't oh, tell you that because uh, okay. too many people would probably not like to see me say these, say, tell them the actual God knows truth, and they'd probably deny it and maybe sue me and maybe, maybe worse. Okay, okay. Well, we won't go there then. But the implication no. is that um, there's a dirty story there because it makes no sense. Pretty nasty. You've just had a number one story. You've just had a number yeah, one it's, hit. It's a pretty nasty story. I bet. And we're not going to capitalize it. It's on heartbreaking. It makes no sense. It's heartbreaking all around. Oh, my gosh. But no one would believe it, so I'm left with maybe in the past life. Um, I, I don't know. It would not. I would be ill-advised by any publisher to tell the truth without doing so in a way that legally I'm protected. You know, uh, yeah. it's too personal. There's too many very wealthy people that could put me away. Mm. I uh, don't know whether they would, but they're still alive. So I'll wait a little bit. People die. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is oh, So people die. Then okay. they can't do, they can't injure me. They can't yeah. do anything to me. Goodness. You know, I, there's a million reasons why, but I know the real reason. Okay. It's very simple, but I can't, I can't really, I can't boast of it. it. Okay. Or I, I, I risk, you know, um, my own personal safety. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, you know, my own peace of mind, if you will. Yeah. And I'm I'm retired and 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 I'm happy until I'm ready to come out into the world. Uh, why do I need to say anything sensational? Okay. Uh, people only think that because of the largesse of the situation and the unbelievability of it, that they would begrudge me my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And they can begrudge me my truth all they want when those that are uh, in the grave can no longer wound me financially. But I didn't get this far to be able to pay all my bills 
you know, to, to take a step back because I got mouthy. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. You so don't a lot of bite the hand. a lot of people, men or women, tend to. You have to be very smart about when you get success in a way that you did, and if it's pulled from you, you, you really have to be very careful with your involvement. I wasn't careful then, and that's why it was pulled. I spoke out about something I, I had no business speaking out about. And in doing so, I revealed my honesty, and it may have been the truth, but it was still revealing enough for them to pull me from the label. Boy, I had no idea what I was getting in for when I invited you to come on the show. I just thought we'd get yeah, to hear well, from a lot of I, I recently, recently received Ooh. someone from Billboard magazine wanted to write an article about all the, you know, all the, yeah. all the female, you know, the, the, um, the casting couch, if you will. Uh, yeah. And I said to her, you know, I told her my story, I told her my truth, I told her who did it, I told her what happened. She was disgusted. It was the truth. She'd had many stories about this person before, but I said, you know what? I can't come forward with this knowledge while he's still alive. Yeah. I just can't because it was innuendo, and it's my my suggesting it was true doesn't make it true, you know? Yeah. My suggesting the reason why I think doesn't make it true. And doesn't it's not in a court of law. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, 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 you're I, I'd be, um, you know, right in the firing squad with very powerful people who can make mince meat out of me now financially and legally ruin me. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not prepared to um, voice that opinion until I'm good okay. and ready. Okay. And sure. right now, I think there's just too much life going on for me to have to take that plunge and go there. Okay. One day it'll make such a great movie. You've no idea. I don't know who the hell will get to play it. Really, I don't know because the characters on the stage are so gifted and so profound, and it's so tacky. The story is so small and tacky. Bummer. It's so awful and so ugh, ugh. Bummer. Disgusting. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait. I opted to I make to uh, the bow out. And I went with Miles Copeland, and he got me from the label because they were no longer going to support me. Mm-hmm. And I got out when I could get out. I saw that this was a corrupt place to be. The people that were the cause of my ruin were all gone. They left for other labels. But that doesn't mean they can't hurt me. Yeah, yeah. So um, when the billboard lady came along, I just said, look, I can't be the poster child for your right. cause right now. I can't do it. I can't support your cause. I can't step out. And she said, I'm finding this with many. And I said, you're going to find it with a lot. You've not been in our shoes. You know, it's not the fear of, well, fear of ruin. And they can so easily do it. Wow. And you'd have to prove it. Yeah. You'd have to prove it. Yeah. You see, only people like Taylor Swift sue because they have the money to do so. Good point. People that don't have money or have questionable financing... They don't have the money to sue. If they do, yeah. they're very brave people. Because they can see it all go down the tubes with, in one court case. Yeah. So how it makes for you... an interesting story. Well, and I... those that are involved still can't look me in the eye. Can't even speak to me. Because they're so ashamed. And they know what they did. And I can only conjecture that they're ashamed because they won't speak to me. And we were close friends. Mm-hmm. Nope. Oof. If they're not speaking to me and I didn't do anything wrong, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. So how have you made a living this whole time then? Because it sounds like things were pretty rough. I mean, well, have you I, always I been toured. able to be in music? Okay. Uh, yeah, I toured. I would. Uh, what I would do is I would get a gig overseas in uh, Germany or Switzerland or somewhere in the world, 
and I would I couldn't make the money in Canada. It's just it's too much land to cover and not enough money, not enough uh, people here to cover the cost of you know a, a admission. So I would make sure that my flights were covered, and I would get my band there. Excuse me, I would get my band there, and I would fly us over with the you know. And I would work it out so I'd make enough money or I'd take a gig where I would work with a band over in Germany and just go rehearse for the day and do a weekend gig and come back 10,000 bucks in my pocket or whatever. And I would go away, you know, every month to do my gigs in Europe and come back and pay my rent and have the Germans laugh at me for being support. <laughs> they were not, they, they, they were not sympathetic at all. They just laughed. They couldn't believe it. They thought I was lying. How is that possible? It's not about the money, clearly. Now, okay, so let me ask you, this might be too personal, but I'm going to ask you anyway. From from the Even this is off the bio on your website. You came from a fairly well-off family. Has yeah, that been able to help sustain you and kind of keep um, your float during not the meantime? really. I mean, yes, when I go to my mother and say, can I borrow $500 for gas? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. but there's no family wealth been administered my way. If I was in trouble, I, I, in real trouble, yes, I would be helped. Okay. I, okay. You know, I, I, if I was really starving, I'd never be, lived on death's door. Right. You know, and they okay. would come to help me. Yes, they would. They've offered. Okay. You know, okay. I declined. Yeah. Uh, and my mother's still alive. She's 99 years old. Your mom's still alive? Wow. She's 99. Oh, goodness. Now, Hang tell, on people by who don't know what your, uh, tell people who don't know what your dad is, what your dad did, who he is. Oh, God, I feel embarrassed because people don't believe me. They think I'm making it up. <laughs> well, so I've got a pretty unrealistic story. Everything from the my first fight. My own father was responsible for Hockey Night in Canada, for inventing the game of hockey on TV with an American and a Brit. That's nuts. I know. That's nuts. He was and... the first broadcaster in Canada, probably the first millionaire. In, in in the creative arts in Canada, yeah. but he was into the media reps business by the time he, he made, made his money. He was with a, a, um, a group, a, a Young and Rupacam, which was a advertising agency in the 19, say, I'm guessing, let's see, it would be far back as the 1950s, no, 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. Right in the beginning and the onset of TV. Uh, when radio had switched over to television, and he had all his contacts in radio. So he switched over to TV, and he had this idea. He had four, three soap clients, Lever Brothers, Palm Olive, and somebody else, Ivory or somebody. Three okay. soap commercials, three separate companies, and they were all vying for their att- for his attention as art director. So he found a way to make them all happy by taking three cameras. He recognized how popular hockey was on a, on a regional level. So he took three cameras, made it go national on CBC television, which was on his property. He rented property to, he rented the property uh, to CBC, where their tower was, and his office building on Jarvis Street in Toronto. And they would all go to his club across the street, and, and, and you know, he knew them all. It was all a very small world back then. And he, uh, he, he placed three soap clients and, and lambasted the billboards with their with advertising, with equal advertising to the three soap companies across the billboards and televised it. Then became Hockey Night in Canada. Wow, gosh. And it was all because he needed advertising for three (laughs) clients to make it fair. 
<laughs> and he told the organist that he knew that would come into the organist and come on over and let's do the beep 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 and that was the it's never changed. <laughs> Hilarious, I know. Well he, he was come from Canadian royalty. Well, aristocracy, sure. Yeah, okay. Royalty, okay. I don't know. He was very, very poor. My mom and dad came from very poor, poor immigrant families from off the fresh off the boat who were in the Depression. They had no money. They were very poor. My father was self-made. My mother was his, his wife, and he loved her. But That's amazing. He did pretty remarkable stuff. He was, uh, he was uh, consigned by, I don't know whom, but when radio and TV had to decide how they were going to pay their actors, uh, he with a, a British, someone from the BBC, and someone from down in America, I, can't, I don't know who ABC, someone from America, someone from America who was qualified, at the time, God knows what, it was 70 years ago. And he, with um, three others, sat down to decide how artists would be paid residual royalties for mm -hmm. playing on air mm -hmm. of commercials and music, etc. Mm -hmm. And that is my livelihood. Wow. Gosh. So it's kind of extraordinary. Yeah, I don't think really he knew is. that what he created was not unheard of. It was, it was yeah. not done. There, no, there was no such thing. You know, and he'd be about 120 now. <laughs> no, actually, no. Let me think. He probably was born around in 1918, so he'd probably be 101. Okay. If he'd Goodness. lived. Wow. But he um, then went on to become a star maker in Canada and discovered comedy troupe, uh, the first comedy troupe in Canada called Simon and Schuster. First television show it was his show. He produced it. He was a producer. He knew everybody. He did everything that came to him. He was a consultant. Hockey night in Canada, no one knows. He, he was the most modest man you could ever have met. So we never heard of these feats. So I decided to, to tell his story on Wikipedia, and they pulled the page. What? Really? Why? Because it didn't come from official publications. It came from me. <laughs> That's pretty official, right? The daughter. Well, they're idiots, I say. Oh, yeah. There was no oh, official man. sightings to prove, to prove any of the documentation. Oh, gosh. That's insane. Well, what can you do? He's a remarkable know. guy. When I was about, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, 11, maybe 12, I was learning on my mother's guitar with a big wide neck how to play um, my little folky songs, and I was practicing and singing. And my father was a showbiz dad, and he would snap his fingers and say, okay, pay for the hay, because he had horses. Like, pay for the hay. So there would be Norman Jewison, sitting in his living room, and me singing, yeah. I don't know how to Some, you know, stupid little kid singing something from Jesus Christ Superstar for the guy that right. invented it. Oh, and there man. I am, where the guy, the guy, Norman Houston became a, like a, 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 a renowned director, all oh, respected yeah. by many. And he wouldn't hire me for a film part if he put up his life on it. Really? Why? I don't know how to laugh. <laughs> wow. I got to the spot. No, that's it. You know, if you film people and, and music people, I remember he met me and went, you got kind of big. <laughs> huh. Good. You know, he never really put two and two together. Yeah, I guess. He's I called him around. once and I, I stupidly didn't, instead of asking him, will you direct a video for me, I said, do you know anybody, a student? Uh, that, 
the video because I didn't have, I'm Canadian, I didn't have the balls to say, will you do it? Yeah. And he was insulted. He would have done it. He would have done it tomorrow. Oh, man. And they would have found great. the money because it was Norman Jewison. Yeah. Some of his movies are some of my favorites. That's crazy. Well, there you go. I didn't have the balls. Oh, I didn't. I was worthy enough to A, yeah. ask for the money I deserved, nor B, ask Norman Jewison to film a video for me, which he would gladly have done, I'm sure. That's crazy. Not because I didn't have the nerve to say, will you do it? Yeah. I instead wow. said, do you, know any, do you know a student or somebody under you? Hmm. That's too bad. And he kind of went, well, uh, 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 yeah. waiting for the big, will you do it, and didn't get right. it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I guess I could put a couple of names down there. Yeah. What's, what's the point of this phone call now? Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I want to ask you about some of the other people you've collaborated with, because you've interacted sure. with a lot of people that I, I really like and and yeah, I've been very lucky. I've met some pretty terrific people. Yeah. So tell me more about Miles Copeland. I mean, those Copeland brothers are, you know, Stuart Copeland has one of the biggest personalities around, and Miles is a bulldog, or else he wouldn't have been able to get IRS going and all that other stuff. So when he came around to you, what was he like to work with? Sounds like he's Miles you was a, a he was an amazing ball of fire. You, you, yeah. I mean, he was so interesting. I really liked his heart. He never made decisions with money for me, so we didn't make any, but he had a huge heart. And he got me off that label because he said, look, this is a great album. Uh, I've co-produced, I've, I've uh, uh, you know, executive produced with Alana. Uh, I want to see it out there. I want to see it doing things. So it was Valazoli was head of A&R at the time at, a at Atlantic, and he said, look, uh, let me, if you don't want this record, you let me buy it and let her out of this deal. Because if you don't want her, there's no point in holding the artist back. Come on now. Mm -hmm. So they said, no, 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 we'll give it our best shot. Well, they did nothing. Yeah. And then the drummer didn't show up for the first showcase. And it was all downhill from there. You miss a show, show, first showcase in America, you don't get, it, get the chance again. Yeah. So, right. however, long story short, they, they didn't do anything. Nothing happened. No support came. The, the chips were down. It was time for me to pack up my bags. The new people just didn't get it. The old people were gone, and they'd done their fair shake of leaving the coffers empty. In other words, the the um, advances were all taken, and there was no more business for Alana. And yeah. at that point, when the record failed, uh, Miles went in there and said, all right, you promised me that you'd work this record. Now I want the record. I want her back. And got me off the label. Wow. And that's never done. That's yeah. never done. Now, he couldn't get my royalties back because that's contractual. Mm -hmm. They had that all etched in stone. But he got me out of the deal so I could go work with, uh, with him. That's great. And then that record died, but that had a lot more to do with, uh, how do you put this, too big a fish in a small pond. Mm -hmm. Many, many angry, jealous people in the small pond try to eat the bigger fish. Really? You're the sure. big fish and people are jealous of you? Yep. Oh. Because I was I was trying to break in Canada where I had broken and yeah. I wasn't getting the support I needed because of angry, jealous people who they uh. basically wanted on board. The particular person in question who was responsible for the demise of my third, fourth record and my successful record that nobody understood why it wasn't successful. It's called Bad For You. 
It was written, co-written with um, Eric Bazilian, who wrote God Was One of Us, and and, yeah. and huge, successful, um, what's his nose, um, that uh, wrote Living in a Prayer. Yeah, Desmond um, Child. Yeah, Desmond Child. I wrote the song with these two fantastic writers, and a great, great song, great sexy video, but the head of Much Music said, oh, no, no, we can't play that video, it's too sexy for video. What? Meanwhile, me- I know, meanwhile, we've got, You've got, what's his nose? Oh, 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 I never fall in love. Chris Isaac. Oh, yeah, a, yeah. A girl that's practically going down on him. <laughs> but mine's too sexy for Canadian video. So clearly it was just begrudgment from the personal, begrudgment of the girl involved, the woman involved. No way. That she buried my video. Just buried oh. it. She buried it. And all Miles could say was, Alana, I don't know what the hell you did up in Canada, but you sure cut a swath. Goodness. That's all you could say. Oh, man. And he no, didn't I, have the funds, and record companies were going out of business left, right, and center. He was an independent label. He didn't have the support and the, the finances that were necessary from Universal that he aligned his, his property with. So what could I do? I went. I took, uh, I took the hit with him and went down. Yeah. Now, yeah. I have to say, Miles gave me that record back last year. Oh, good. Arrival. Okay, good. Yeah, bless sweetheart. He gave it back to me. That's great. Uh, well, like the rights, everything. It's mine. Yeah, good. So bless his sweetheart. I, I'm forever indebted to him for doing the right thing. He tried like hell. He believed in me. He believed in me probably more than he believed in Sting. Oh, wow. I remember once I read his notes. I was having a meeting with him in his living room in London, in, uh, at his home in London. Uh-huh. And I down and I saw some notes. And the notes happened to say something like, notes to... And the notes said something like, what the hell can I do with Alana Miles? This thing is a wooden Indian compared to Alana Miles. What the hell? It was his buzz notes, wooden Indian compared to Alana Miles. No way. And that's all I remember. So that was his personal notes to himself saying, for whatever reason, I never spoke to him about it because I didn't want to embarrass him. But I knew that he really, really scratched his head and wondered, what the hell am I doing wrong with this artist? She's got the voice, she's got the look, she's got the video, she's got the charm, she's got the wherewithal, she's got the work, the money. Didn't have the money. And like I said, sometimes when you're a small fish and you get to be a big fish, the small fishes don't like you anymore. Boy, it sounds Uh, like... You know, and remember the story I was starting to tell you that I couldn't tell you? Yeah. That was with big fishes and they didn't like me either. Yeah. And big fishes were very jealous. 
Yeah, I bet. So, um, uh, envy uh, has been a real, it's played a real sufficient part in my karma. One day I'll, yeah. I think I'm supposed to come to terms with it. I'm supposed to forgive and forget and don't allow it to impede me. Who knows? That's tough. It's tough. I don't know all the details, but it sounds like you've been faced with a lot of adversity the whole time, whether Nothing of your but, own making or from other people being I mean, jealous or whatever. I have to say it came from me. You know, the adversity came from – the minute I get a song idea in my head, there's ten things to stop me from getting it on tape. Yeah. Oh, so that's man. my own personal karma. Yeah. Because yeah. it's filled with adversity. So why would anything else go smooth? That's really? bad. Tell me more about Eric Bazilian. He's been on our show. I love him. Oh, he's such a sweet pie. I have to tell you a terrible story. Oh, no. Tell me. Oh, okay. I'll share it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Oh, dear. I'm in trouble now. I don't know where they live, but boy, boy, some of them are going to be real mad. (laughs) Eric Bazilian was a gentleman and a scholar. Hmm. I was in one of the towers. We were songwriting at Miles Copeland's Castle in France, and I was writing... Desmond Child and Eric, and I was begging. I said, you know, it's great that you think I'm bad for the, all these men, bad for you, bad for you, bad for you, bad for you, bad for you. But, you know, you got to give me some kind of respect. I can't just sing a song saying I'm just bad for you. Can you, can you give me some good? i got to have something in, somewhere in it. It's got to be good. I can do some good for you. Something something good in it. Just a two-line Beatles pitch. Just something, anything, just something small. Let's just go, you know. Well, they got really mad at me for, for, for actually having an a songwriting opinion, and nerve to say to me, look, you know, something about being a one-hit wonder and insulting me, and, you know, because I was, clearly I wasn't involved in this songwriting session. I was just the artist, and I had to shut my mouth, Mm. and I wasn't going to get what I was asking for, and when he insulted me, I was so insulted that that I I literally went up to him and kissed him on the side of the face like gave him a Judas kiss, and I said, you know what? I'm going to leave you guys now because I can see I'm not, I don't belong here. You're not listening to me. I don't belong here. I said, but just for your information, i got news for you. I'd rather have one black velvet than tent living on a prayers. And I kissed him in the side of the face, and I left. And I went to the fireplace in the, in the big dining hall. I stared at the fire for two hours and insulted out of my mind. And Miles and everybody thought, what the hell's wrong with it? What happened in there? Yes. So Eric Bazilian went to Miles Copeland and said she was a lady. Oh. She behaved like a lady, and he behaved abominably. Wow. But you know what Eric did? What? Eric wrote the bridge of the song based on my direction, what the words I'd asked for, and the melody and the musical direction I'd asked for, and it went, instead of, I'm bad for you, I'll hit your pride, I'm bad for you, it went, I know I got a good side too, and I could do some good for you. Nice. That was him. I'm bad for you, and it was brilliant. And that's what Eric did for me. Good. And he did that and wrote the song in because that's what I asked for. Good. And he wrote it, and he went to went to Miles and said that was abominable the way she got treated. And she was a lamb. She's never said a thing. She just kissed him and said, thank you very much. I'd rather have this than what you've got. Goodbye. I behaved like a lady. Wow, and Eric is really a gentleman, I'm telling you. And then, and then what's his nose? had the nerve to say, well, I'll charge you $50,000 to go in the studio and make a single of the song. So he said, fuck you, and use the same song. <laughs> really? Oh, 
Oh, more drama. He used the demo. Yeah. Thanks. And yeah. he used the demo. The demo was great. And oh. just stuck in a, a, a harmonica solo. Mm. <laughs> okay. It's a great little track. Recorded yeah. in the chapel of Miles Copeland's uh, ca- castle in his church. Ch- chapel castle. Uh, or, you know, the chapel in, in, in his castle. Yeah. Anyway, it was, a, it was a strange story, but there was a lot of envy in my life. And, and yeah. I think the envy was because he was, uh, he's, uh, um, he's gay. And I think he was interested in, in a guy that I was getting on with just oh, to, oh too well. Oh, got it. Okay. And he was, he was jealous. Yeah. We're talking about Desmond here, I should say. Uh, I don't know. Somebody. To, yeah, one yeah, of those. Somebody. Okay. Maybe I'll somebody. say that. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay, okay. Eric's not, because Eric's married. Yeah, Eric's a good guy. Eric's a um, good guy. Eric's, yeah. Eric was a gentleman. I, I just was, oh, I, I, he really went, he really did a noble thing. He's a real gent. Good. Not only is he handsome and delightful and talented and writes hit songs, but he's a gentleman. Good. I'll tell him I talk to you. <laughs> oh, he's delightful. Please send my best. Good, I, I have very good stories about, about Eric. What, what's your... What could I say? He, he he had my full support, and he wrote me a great, great song. Otherwise, it would have been a hit. I don't know why it wasn't, but, it, well, it wasn't because of whatever. Yeah, right, all that other stuff. All uh, that other stuff. And I guess, you know, I guess I didn't didn't have the balls like Aerosmith to stand up to them. <laughs> oh, well, Aerosmith did. When people yeah. said, you stuck your old, nobody cares. They went, oh, yeah, and went out there and showed them what they got. Yeah. Had a few yeah. more million sales. Gosh. And um, I didn't have those balls. Right. Well, it sounds like you do have balls. Maybe, I do. maybe you had too much balls. Maybe that was oh, maybe I think I too used much. to a woman with this much balls. I think that's why I, I lost my record deal. Probably. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. I got too the much balls. Except if, if they get, can't fuck you, they'll fuck you. Can you say that? Exactly. Sure. That's exactly. Oh uh, yeah. You know, there was a point at which I just thought I'm going to put fuck you on my to- uh, fuck me on my forehead, tattoo it on my forehead, because everybody was. If yeah. they couldn't fuck me with my financially, then they were going to try to physically. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, that's that, uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and I'm not saying names. No, I know. But if but they it's couldn't, if they yeah, couldn't, you're if, not a pushover, and they're used no, to if they couldn't make me do what they wanted me to do, then they would then they would try and bed me. Yeah. Because they only wanted power over me. Yeah. And I didn't know, and I didn't care. Right. I just didn't care. Yeah. And if I had to do it all over again, I'd do exactly the same thing. Good. The only thing I wouldn't have done was I would have kept my mouth shut when it came to making an opinion about another famous artist signs the label about their work. I would have kept my mouth shut. Hmm. Are are you at liberty to say who that is? Nope. Okay, okay. How do you know if this was in print somewhere and it caused some problem? How do I know what? I didn't know if the comments you made were out there in print somewhere, and I just didn't, if they were common knowledge. Uh, or they weren't. Some, like, behind no, the no, 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 no one could know what I know. Okay, okay, okay. No, it's only me and them that know. Okay, okay. No. Um, and it's back to the very initial beginning of, of what I have to say for the book until people are dead. Got it. Okay. Okay. No one will believe me. They'll hit, they'll just they'll attack me. I, I'm not prepared to be. I, I don't want to send myself off against slings and arrows the rest of my life. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I don't blame you. Oh, um, I learned to shut up. Yeah. So when billboard lady comes along and she wants me to help her out, I'd love to. I spoke to her, but that was the most I could do. 
Right, right. I couldn't yeah. give her, uh, I said, you can't publish this. Right. Uh, I can't get caught saying these things. Because my my own livelihood is at risk. And what if I what if I want to what if next year I do a phenomenal blues record and another major label wants to sign me? And it's the label where the guy where I said something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah. They move around. Yeah. That guy yeah, moved around every label I was on. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Small world. Yeah. Let me ask you about one more person. I want to ask you about Jeff Healy. I always loved Jeff Healy, and the poor uh, guy's gone now. And you worked yeah, with him try. a little bit, right? He, did he play try. guitar on uh, "Can't Stand the Rain" with you? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah, he, he was the last for that, and a song from my '85 BPM record called um, "Anywhere But Home." Anywhere but home. That's where you're going. It sucks to be alone. It sucks to be alone. That's safe. Dear, dear friend, we became friends, but it, it was interesting because there again, he's blind. He couldn't make up his own mind, but he had a manager who was an absolute dick. And the manager said terrible things about me. In fact, I remember being at his house at a party once and being upstairs on the fourth floor where the party room was. It was all lavish. This is where they spent Jeff's money on this, like, you know, it looked like Elvis's mansion with four inch shag carpets. So, whatever, there was a fuck palace upstairs on the top floor. And I went up to see the fuck palace with all kinds of people. When we came out, the manager zipped up a sly as if I'd done something with him. Oh, oh To make no. it appear as though I'd just done him. I was disgusted. Yeah. And this is how, this is the same manager who was feeding uh, Jeff with information about me and who I was. But Jeff, bless his heart, made up his own mind. And Jeff called me once when he had a club in Toronto and asked me to come, come on down and sing with me and help me out. I got this club. Sure. Right. Sure, I'd love to. That's all I ever wanted to do was play with my brethren. That's all I ever wanted to do. I, want, I, I didn't even care about singing lead on their record or duetting. Just let me sing harmonies. I don't care. Yeah. Just want to sing. I went down to his club. He got to know me. We became inseparable friends. He became a, a kind and gentle understanding, and he, he dealt so well with the way he had been shafted by his manager, the dick and various other people financially. He, he really was a, an, you know, that man died in such pain, and he, all he did was go to work with cancer and a tumor growing and growing and growing and took as many things as he could so he could make enough money and whack it away for his wife and son, mm-hmm. for his children, for his, son, for his child, and then he died. Ugh. I mean, it was, it, it was just a lovely, lovely guy. I miss him so. I wish he was alive. 
And I missed not going to his club. It was fun for me to do that. It was like having my own little club to go to in Toronto where I could go and play and yeah. play for the people privately. And, you know, I just did the door, you know, take yeah. the door, hired on my band members, and then we all made – but Jeff had to play with us. That was the one deal. And they all hated him because they wanted to play their solo parts, and I wanted them both to play because I thought talent is talent. Sure. They should all play together. Jeff is great. And unfortunately, due to jealousy, he heard nasty things about me until he met me. I went, he made up his own mind, and yeah. he didn't have to see me. He saw me. He knew who I was. He knew who I was. Wow. And I had intended to do a blues record with him, and I intended to do some more work with him. I love that. I don't. I don't love to make a whole record with him. He's extraordinary. Yeah. Oh man. And well, that's sad. good. Yeah, I like him Pick a lot, a and I'm glad to know that he's a good man. He's lovely. He really was a heart. He was Good. quite something, that man. Good. Quite something. Okay. So I've ha I've kept you for an hour, and I'm so grateful for your time. I want to hear – let's spin it a little bit. I want to hear what the best story is from all these years. Sounds like there's been a lot of rough patches, but can you tell me okay. what maybe the best one was? Was it going on tour right. with somebody or meeting a hero, or what's the best? Well, there was many, Okay. Okay. There was many. I met many heroes. I met Tony Mitchell. I met Bonnie Raitt. I met a guy from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. What's his name? Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? <laughs> uh, one of them. David Crosby, uh, Stephen Stills, Graham Crosby. Nash? Crosby. Crosby. Okay. David Crosby. Okay. Uh -huh. I think it was. He was the one that had that sired Melissa Etheridge's love child. Yes, yes, and has the mustache. Yeah, that's David Crosby. I met him. He's a nice man. And uh, I met um, Chrissy Hines. She was delightful to me. I met... Oh, God, who didn't I meet? I met all of them. Good. I met her husband. He didn't like me. I thought really? I must remind him of her. <laughs> who was she married to at the time? Was she with Ray uh, Davies uh, or was she with the guy from Oh, you forget about yeah, me. Yeah, Jim Kerr. Yeah, Jim Kerr. Yeah. He was not nice to you? Nah, he was nice to me. I was just ballsy and he didn't like me. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was because I reminded him of his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. She's ballsy, too. <laughs> She's great. She's wonderful. Yeah. I liked her. Good. She was, oh, what an amazing artist. Okay, but my favorite story of all, probably what I hold as a fond, fond memory, though even in my fondest memory, it's still rife with some kind of uh, non-winning situation. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain. Sure, I was a relative unknown, and I'd been struggling for 15 years in Canada and not signed by any label in my country, and I had to go to America to get signed with three three songs to, a, to one of the most wealthiest, most renowned R&B labels in America, Atlantic. And I got the support that I needed and the financial aid to get the success that I needed and so on. And then this song was nominated, Black Velvet was nominated for a Grammy. So they hold the Grammys in New York, and I get to the hotel, and I hire my makeup artist and tell them, Look, go. You want to go shopping? Come. Make sure you do my makeup before you go. Meet me at around six thirty. We can get off and, you know, go off and be be on time. But they call me from down from from the uh, um, the Grammy Naris Corporation. Say, get here now. They're, you're in the pre-broadcast. Apparently, they did not include the female, dust rock female artist in the major broadcast, but they included the male, who at that year that year happened to be Eric Clapton. But he was away. He didn't show up. He was a no-show. 
Mm-hmm. So there was, you know, ten, ten minutes of, uh, five minutes of dead air, dead space with no Eric. Uh, and people bumbling around, but me, I'm there in the audience paid for to, to get to New York to accept, make, make my acceptance speech, but had to do it in the pre, pre-show awards. So I'm sitting in the audience, and I, you know, a high-tailed makeup artist back up to my suite to get the makeup and hair done down there. And when I was in the audience in the afternoon, they called out, and the nominations are, and they said black. So I, I thought it was going to be black cat, mm-hmm. Janet Jackson, because in the category there was Aretha Franklin, she had a live record, there was Alison Moyer, there was Lisa Ford, there was Melissa Etheridge, and Janet Jackson. Now, now that's how she was going to win. When I heard them say black, I thought they were going to say cat. And they said black velvet. I went, huh? So it took me forever to get down to the podium, and I was waving myself. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? My heart was sinking as they were saying black, and it was me they were calling. When I got up there, I did my speech, and later on in the televised version, you saw a line photograph with lines through it of me collecting this, the no awards show speech and um, name of the country artist. I can't remember his name. He's got a fantastic voice. He was married to oh. Roberts. Anyway, whatever. Oh, um, Lyle my award. What's that? Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett yeah. gave me my award and the girl with uh, Luca, the girl that sang Luca. Sam Vega. Okay. They gave me my award. I'm sorry with names. <laughs> And, but I know my music. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyway, they gave me my award, and I went up and accepted my, my award, but did not get seen, seen in the uh, award ceremony, which was a real lunch bag letdown, because they only care about being able to see your people and say thank you, and thank sure. the people that got you there, and they want to see you. And they saw, in the televised version, they saw Best Male, and they saw No Eric Clapton, and they saw Best Female, and there I was like, Smiling with my, you know, up yeah. in the top screen. Oh, so the female groups were all very, very, like all the, the uh, women's groups were very, very angry. Mm-hmm. And the next year, they sandwiched both of the female and male together. Oh, okay. That was the, that was the change. I brought on that change. I didn't, but, the, but that year brought on, there was no fem- women in rock and roll. Yeah, right. So they didn't right. consider it even important. That's lame. I know. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't make it to hit. the finals, sure. and that yeah. would have been really lovely. I have a speech, and I included it in my EPK, which I have posted up on YouTube. Oh, fun. Okay. And I read them the riot act, and they tried to take it down. I said, get out! They're selling records by me putting this up. Cut it out. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, I, I'm well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm loud and noisy now, because i got to make a living. Yeah. I can tell. And, you know, obviously the universe wished that I was just ballsy back then, but I didn't know any better. But now I can manage the moon. Yeah, now you can do it. Yeah. Well, look, thank you for talking to me. I had, like I it said, was a I pleasure. had no idea. I was telling I was silly stories and, and, and main, maintain my mystery with regard to the truth of all of the rest of it. Because, you know, it would be quite sensational when it gets found out. No one would yeah. ever believe well, no, you wouldn't. have a big story to tell, and I and I think you know whether you can be detailed or not about it. It's obvious that you've been on a ride that has had more downs than ups, and that that's apparent. And so I just wanted to get the story that you're com- comfortable telling out there, so that people know more about Alana Miles. So well, thank you. I mean, it's been a long time. There's many people who have had children; they're almost grandchildren. They since my re- first record came out, but what the hell, yeah. you know. And so is ABBA. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Both Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me, Alana. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. There you have it, Alana Miles. Gosh, there's a there's a lot to process after this one. It's it's kind of unbelievable, you know. I I can't believe how brutally honest she was in this conversation. And you know, stuff like this is happening. You know that people have stories like this. It's in the news now. I admire her her strength and courage to tell me these things. I'm curious to know what you guys think. Send me a message, um, probably a private one. Send me a message on the fi- on the Facebook page, and let me know what you think after hearing all of this. It's painful and it's unbelievable, but it's out there. So anyway, thank you, Alana, for sharing your story with me and for letting everyone hear it. I, I a lot of us have been curious what happened to Alana Miles, and now we know. It's a shame. Anyway, I want to close it out with probably my favorite song of hers. It's on her second album, Rocking Horse. This is Our World, Our Times. Again, another one that was sort of a hit up in Canada, but not in the States. And I have to give a a sort of an indirect thank you to listener Don McPherson. Don is Canadian, and he busts my chops sometimes that I don't have more Canadian artists on here. And he's right. That is through no, I mean, that is not premeditated in any way. I know I've had some, but it didn't occur to me until he brought it to my mind that I should have more or needed to have more. And I had always had Alana in mind to come on the show, but him mentioning that sort of prompted me to get to it quicker. And I'll try and do it better. I I don't actually know why I haven't had more Canadian artists on here. I just haven't. And so I need to do better about that. So thank you, Don, for, for encouraging me to do this. The business, as everyone knows, Find us on Facebook, like the page. You can stay in communication with me that way. You can send an email to thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. If you are new to the podcast, please, if you like stories like this from people that we love that we haven't heard from for a long time or don't hear from often enough, subscribe to the podcast. Go into the archive. See if there's other things in there that you like. Next week is, I'll give you a little taste, a little teaser we're hearing from one of my all-time favorite bands and it's an interview I wish had gone better. It's okay. It's nothing special. You'll have to decide for yourself. That's all I can say. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening and thank you as always to Yan the Man Makevich, my buddy, for doing this with me and putting everything together so beautifully. Thank you, Yan. We will talk to you all next week. Some fools bound